Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today I'm talking to Abby Long. She's the Managing Editor, Marketing Communications at PMG Digital Agency. Abby, how are you doing? I'm doing well, all things considered. How are you doing, Mitch? Uh, just about the same, as well as you can <laughs> be in the midst of a global pandemic. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a rough couple of weeks, but you know, I think we're going to prevail and, and get out on the other side of this. So it's just one day, one hour at a time. That's all you can really do at this point. And we're going to talk a little bit about COVID-19. We're talking mostly about marketing to gamers and digital marketing in general. We'll mention COVID-19 because a lot of companies, a lot of brands are looking at gaming as a new opportunity, especially with sports completely falling away in the span of about two weeks. Uh, so we'll be talking about that, but then we're going to go big picture, get away from COVID-19. I'm sure you're, everyone's inundated with that content. And we'll talk about uh, just some of the bigger brands in gaming and what brands are looking to do in gaming and how to connect with gamers. But first, the elephant in the room, we have to cover it, unfortunately. How has COVID-19 impacted your job in the last few weeks? Oh, geez. Um, I think truly my job has completely changed in the last couple of weeks. And so to give a little background, PMG Digital Agency is a, is a marketing company. And so we primarily uh, run advertising campaigns, both paid search and um, some organic stuff as well, programmatic, paid social, things like that um, for enterprise level and national brands um, in the retail sector, travel sector, and a little bit of finance as well. And so um, really when COVID kind of came to the shores of America and it was kind of seen as this crisis, we all knew it was coming. Um, but it really, I don't know, it just, it has, it has changed like every aspect of our job. Um, so we went fully remote as an organization about two weeks ago now. And so of course that was a really big transition for some people. Um, so that was kind of on the, um, on the work side of things. And then just the day to day, we developed a COVID crisis communications team because a lot of our brands were coming to us and like, we don't know what to do. Should we pause campaigns? Do we take a media moment of silence? Like, what does that look like for us? Um, obviously, you don't want to be insensitive because it is a human tragedy, and that's something that you need to take pause and recognize. But at the same time, these brands are in a really tough position um, because they're still a business, right? And so it's still really critical for them to, to get out on the other side of this, too. Um, and so we started that communications team. We meet every morning, um, first thing, with our leadership team. And my job has been I, I kind of compare it to a, a scout uh, in that I my job is to kind of curate the news for our teams and then write up uh, daily briefings or near daily briefings about what's going on across the world, across America, and the different uh, verticals and sectors that our clients are in. And so that's, gosh, those are like 2,000 word briefings every other day. And so it's been a lot of work. But um, what's been interesting to see is that this crisis has allowed us the opportunity to become even more engaged uh, and ingrained in our clients' businesses. So something I was speaking to uh, one of my managers was about is that no one knows what's going on right now. Everybody is in the same boat. And so we're seeing these big brands not hesitating for the opportunity to get on the phone with another big brand to say, what, what are you doing in the paid search space? What are, how are you sooner closing stores? Um, what's your supply chain look like? And so it's, it's opened up this, I don't know, just really this, I hate saying the word unprecedented because that seems to be the word um, kind of of the hour now, but it's opening up this opportunity for people to just be really radically transparent about who they are as humans, what they are as a business and what the priorities are and how they can best 
not only serve customers, but also serve like store associates in the retail sector, um, corporate employees in the travel sector. And um, this is a pretty, it's a pretty wild time, right? Because it's, it's affecting everybody. Um, and so just kind of being on the agency side of that has been really fascinating. It's disrupted a lot of our workflows, but we're going to get out on the other side of this. Um, and like I said, one day, one hour at a time and just ensuring that communication stays open um, and that we are supporting our clients any way we can. Absolutely. I think that's all you can really do in this in this time. And I feel you on unprecedented. I feel like I say that word 10 times a day. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. It's the only real description of this right now. I, I talked to an agency in Vegas earlier this morning, and he said, you know, the only time anything like this was 9-11. And even mm-hmm. that's not a really a great experience because or a great comparison because of the uncertainty that comes with COVID and right. just the the continuing and not sure how long it'll last. And that's really the, the biggest issue. And so all these agencies right now are just totally scrambling. Yep. And it's an interesting <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, it is for sure. And I think what's, if you could even call it fascinating, like I think we'll, there's going to be obviously a lot of like every day ends and I'm just like there's going to be a book written about this moment in time and everything that's happening because things are happening so fast but something that's fascinating me the most is just the the layers to this right because it's it's not like in 2008 with the with the financial crisis where it was the financial markets and the retail industry that that um you know kind of caused everything that happened after that and it's not 9-11 where there was this one horrific incident and then that kind of um you know, all, all these different things happened, like uh, airlines beefing up security and different things like that. But this is actually like, it's a global health crisis. And it also is an economic crisis as a result of the public health crisis. And so I saw, I think it was the Chicago Tribune that was talking about analysts are calling it the lockdown paradox, and that the only way to seemingly stop the virus right now is to shut down the economy. And so we're likely to see more stimulus packages coming out of this and just kind of to keep the economy afloat in order to reduce the, um, the risk of like an overload for hospitals. And so it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a crazy time and I, you just take it day by day. Um, but yeah, agencies are, it's an interesting, interesting spot for sure, because you're, you're having to deal with clients and also, um, your own employees. And I think that's across the board for every company right now, but I think the the best thing we can do is just band together, stay safe and stay healthy and stay home. Yeah, and play a lot of video games. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Animal Crossing is a big winner out of this, it feels like. They really picked the perfect time to release their game. So that was. They really did. <laughs> yeah, that's There's true. Many winners. I... Yes, uh, that's absolutely true. I also think Tiger King on Netflix is another big one as well. Um, everyone's so been. T- <laughs> it's so good, right? It's, it's fascinating. So, yeah, I, um, I haven't gotten the opportunity to play animal crossing but a lot of the streamers i follow um have been playing it too which has been pretty exciting just to see it from afar uh, which has been great i am one of those people who um marketers talk about them all the time but i don't know if many people have met one but i'm one of those people who actually don't play the games i just watch people who play the games and kind of enjoy interacting in the chat and so streaming is really my cup of tea and just interacting and engaging with those live streamers is really like how I like to spend my time in gaming, uh, which is cool from a marketing perspective because you kind of get to sit back and see the community engagement experience and not necessarily be worried about, um, you know, like losing the game or something like that. Um, but I will say for Animal Crossing, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to playing that game because it seems to be 
really interactive and and honestly just a lot of fun like a really good a good time out and break from the headlines yeah that's a that's exactly what that game definitely feels like and also throwing yourself into uh seven episodes of tiger drama is <laughs> very fun so if anybody hasn't seen tiger king i feel like we should explain what this show is it's like this world of big cat trading and they're all <laughs> absolutely insane there's polygamy there's uh possibly murder for hire alleged murder for hire or something it's it's a it's a ride it's a ride so uh so check it out because everyone's on quarantine this weekend is is a great time to watch that um but to your point about watching streamers it's really important for marketers and for brands to realize how big of an audience that actually is it's that's the sports audience that's what makes yep. sports happen is people right. watching the games without playing them and in esports and gaming, it's definitely a smaller section, but it's still pretty big. And that's the audience that people need to reach, that marketers really want to be reaching. And I don't think they've necessarily figured out the best ways to do that. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right there, Mitch. What's frustrated me as a marketer is probably the, the easiest, like the lightest word to use there is um, kind of the hurdles that marketers have had to overcome in their understanding of gaming. It's always been like, well, I don't understand why people would sit on the couch for hours and watch somebody play a game. It's like, well, you're doing the same thing with the NBA, the Major League Baseball, NFL. And so I think that we're finally getting over that hurdle as an industry of understanding like, okay, you don't necessarily have to understand the the, the specifics of Call of Duty or something like that, but it is, um, it is easy to see how people are interested in this and how they would want to engage and, and be a part of that community. Um, I think right now in like relation to our current circumstances, live streaming is absolutely kind of the lifeline right now um, for social engagement while we're all staying at home and um, self-isolating and, and under these like shelter in place measures. And I think because of that, we're continuing to see like some new fans come aboard and I'm hoping that they're here to stay, especially now that traditional sports have been canceled, the Olympics have been postponed. Um, so there's going to be a lot of, a lot of screen free time. Uh, in the next couple weeks, I was actually looking at Twitch Tracker this morning, and it showed almost 3 million live viewers across the platform. And I think it typically sees on an average Friday, I think I was looking at it at like noon our time, um, it usually sees like a million to almost 2 million viewers. And so definitely people are, are transitioning their media consumption habits to be a part of these live interactive experiences, like what Twitch and Mixer, Facebook Live, YouTube Live have to offer people. Um, so right now, I think like esports players and streamers, they're not seeing a lot of disruption as it relates to the COVID crisis and just in like their daily routines, because these people are online all day, every day, uh, but they are pulling in those new audiences to cater to. Um, and so I think that that's going to be a really interesting thing to see once we get out of this is see, um, I'm honestly just curious to see if that audience sticks, if they find a way to become ingrained in that, in that community. Um, and hopefully like in the near future, uh, we might see more interactivity, like uh, like the Star Wars um, activation that was in that was in Fortnite a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago now, um, where JJ Adams like steps out on the stage. And so I think that this is really allowing live streaming. It's kind of its moment, in my opinion, um, both from like the gaming perspective, but also just like social interaction and community as well. Yeah, it's it's a really good point, and. Uh... Uh, the number I've been hearing in terms of the traffic going up is about 30%. For Twitch, yeah. it was a 31% increase from March 8th, which is a Sunday, to March 22nd, which was last Sunday or two Sundays ago when you're listening to this. Uh, and the viewership hours were from 33 million to 43 
million total hours watched, which is an absurd jump. 10 million hours watched on the platform when the only thing that really changed was COVID-19 keeping people inside. Yep, and it went absolutely. up. Yeah, it went up 10 million hours watched. I've heard that same number, 30% for YouTube creators like Mr. Beast as well. So it's been pretty insane growth across the board. And to your point on the social connection, Twitch offers that unique aspect of real-time social interaction in a way that Netflix can't, that YouTube, besides YouTube Live, uh, can't do either. And so just chatting and these different ways of interacting with streamers, people are desperate for social connection and interaction. And live streamers are one of the few mediums that actually offers that on a consistent basis. Yeah, completely, completely agree. It's uh, it's pretty incredible. I, I think of gaming and, and really live streaming too is it's kind of this intersection of the internet. So you've got like pop culture memes and digital companies like Amazon, Google, and Microsoft like at play. And it's also really community driven. Um, so I, it's, it reminds me a lot of um, Reddit, which is also a really popular popular platform among like gamers and streamers and stuff. Um, but it's almost just like the um, what's what's the right way to say this? It's like the it's like the video it's like the video equivalent of Reddit, right? Like because you can kind of find your niche, you can find your your community, and then engage with those people however you wish. Yeah, and just like on Reddit, the smaller communities are always better, and the bigger uh, a chat or stream gets, usually the more toxic it gets. So. I- <laughs> Very true. (laughs) Very true. Although I will say um, something that we have been tracking, our consumer insights team has been tracking is this idea that because of this, um, this crisis, the internet is getting kinder, which is pretty unusual. And so you're starting to see a lot of camaraderie, a lot of solidarity. Um, One, one headline that that crossed earlier, or actually later this week was um, YouTube reducing the streaming quality of um, all of their videos to kind of help, um, lighten the load on like broadband services, especially in Europe is like the entire country is um, kind of under like these forms of house arrest, so to speak. And so I was interested to see like, will consumers get upset that the video quality has reduced as a result of this crisis? But it's, it's so powerful to see because people have been so accommodating of these like minimal or these disruptions that they're seeing in their daily life um, as a result of the virus. Um, And so something I don't know. I just think that that's a really cool, it's just the internet is getting kinder right now because we're all in this together. And so despite any differences that we may have on the outside world, like off the internet or even on the internet, um, the fact of the matter is, is we're all in this together now and it's going to take all of us to, to, and to put an end to this virus and, and to move past it. I'm really glad the internet came together for this. I honestly wouldn't have predicted it necessarily going into it but i i agree i think this it's unprecedented and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're all everyone's affected by this for the first time ever really and an event has really affected every single person and so yeah it's been I, I have noticed a little bit more camaraderie now i think uh if we get into a month of this we're gonna start yep. seeing people go a little batshit but <laughs> That's to be expected. That's to be expected. Uh, For now, it's really awesome to see people come together and to see companies generally trying to do right by other people uh, and make sure that whatever messages they're putting across are not self-serving. I've had Mm -hmm. to work with this request in with a lot of people I've talked to, which is that they didn't want their agency named or they didn't want 
any part of this in esports i covered gamers versus covid19 which is still my twitter handle and it was started by bryce blum who's an esports lawyer and he's like i don't want to be part of this i was like well bryce i have to mention that you started this you did and he's like but i don't want to to come across as self-serving sure Uh, it's it's an interesting case because every single other article or podcast people want to promote that's why they talk to the press in general and so it's it's such so unprecedented that now i'm talking to these people and they're wanting me to take their name out of it because it doesn't they don't want any part of that and they're just trying to do good and do right and that's really cool to see i like that that's that's really fascinating you mentioned that why do you think that is that they're so hesitant to kind of have their name attached to these media opportunities I think part of it is that people are very tense right now. Hmm. And uh, so he, he runs a law firm. That law firm represents Activision Blizzard. And maybe he doesn't want it to be seen as them trying to to do something. I think we saw the out or the, the backlash from the Imagine video actually hmm. scared mm-hmm. some brands and marketers I've talked to where all those celebrities got together and they sang a song and people just roasted it all across <laughs> social media because it looked out of touch i guess yep. it was like oh all these celebrities are singing a song like oh why can't they do anything that actually matters regardless if they're actually donating or whatever they're doing and a lot of them are but they just got destroyed because it seemed i guess out of touch and so i think some people are a little worried about that and then also trying to be altruistic and just hey i just wanted to start this and do good i don't care about any positive benefits that might come with it or positive associations. That makes total sense. Yeah. It's interesting. Have you come across that at all with brands? I mean, it's a really tough time for brands because you got to be very careful about what you're putting out there from a branded perspective. So how are you helping navigate that for some of your clients? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, That's not something that I'm super tapped into because our client strategy team takes care of it, but I can speak to it a little bit. Um, Really. It's just, Gosh, I don't even know where to start. There's so many like there's so many layers to it. Um, I think the first the first thing is just ensuring that our clients number one they understand the situation, um, which you would be surprised at how many people. And I talked to coworkers. I was talking to coworkers yesterday too, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm not really keeping up with the news or anything like that." And I was just floored because it's like this is affecting everything. Like I understand being hesitant to read the scary headlines on New York Times or or any or Forbes or anything like that about it, but it is important to be uh, informed. And so kind of the first step that we've taken is ensuring that our clients are aware of what's going on. Um, what's challenging about domestic marketing, excuse me, right now is that we don't have a national lockdown in place, right? So every every region, every state, and really even like down to the county size here in Texas, it's all on a case-by-case basis. And so I know the um, the Texas governor, Governor Abbott, said it's going to be up to the counties to decide what types of measures or restrictive measures they put in place for, um, for their citizens. So in some counties, it uh, retail isn't closed and others it is. And I know that that's happening everywhere. And so something that's trickled down to us that we're seeing is that all of this, this kind of fragmented legislation almost essentially or these restrictions is really putting a toll on their supply chain. Um, and so one instance is like, you've got distribution centers in New York city for a retail brand, right? And those distribution centers have closed because 
New York is one of the most affected like hotspots in America right now because of the virus. And so even if their e-commerce performance um, is doing quite well, they have a lot of demand that they're seeing on their on their dot com or on their social um, like Instagram shopping or anything like that. They can't get the products to the customers anyways. And so you see somebody like um, I see. I don't know how to say their name properly. It's I always pronounce it as Net-a-Porter, but it's Net-a-Porte, I think. Um, but you can see their retail site right now. They're not a client of ours, but you can see their retail site where they've actually shut down their online store because they say due to local restrictions and public health recommendations, we've decided to close our distribution center. And so it's it's pretty crazy because you've got the whole supply chain kind of mapped out when you're thinking of logistics and scenario planning for clients and their advertising campaigns and you're having to consider okay well before we enable this campaign to go live and it's going to be about work from home attire or um, you know home essentials or anything like that you need to consider okay where are those products going to be taken out of where is that distribution center and is does it even make sense to be pushing this campaign right now if we don't know what's going on in the distribution centers. And so a lot of what's interesting is a lot of that communication typically is pretty siloed in an organization, um, especially an enterprise level brand. Um, but what's cool to see now is again, everybody's talking to everyone. And so we're getting like hour by hour updates in terms of like site traffic demand, how our campaigns are performing, which is obviously stuff that we've already been informed of. And then we're also seeing supply chain stuff as well. Um, a big thing right now, obviously, is that since the factories over in Asia were closed and um, all those manufacturing centers have been closed for so long, they're starting to kick those back up again. Well, that's great, but now we have reduced demand in America. So even if we can get those shipments in, um, that demand's not going to be there. And so I think what the next evolution of this is going to be is like extreme discounting from retailers because they're trying to move supply as they prepare for these next shipments, especially with spring lines, summer lines, things like that. And so I think kind of to get back to your question, um, the biggest thing is just ensuring that they're communicating to us everything that we need to know and that we're communicating to them everything that we do know, both across our portfolio in terms of performance and then also just across our portfolio in terms of um, how is the business faring? How are other retailers faring in this market? Um, which kind of goes back to that COVID response team where we're writing these daily briefings about what we're seeing across our portfolio and the industry itself. Um, because right now it takes that that um, quick action communication to ensure that at the end of the day, the consumers aren't getting a poor experience with the brand, which is priority number one for, for every client that we've ever had. Right, yeah, everyone's experience is different. It doesn't really matter how it changes. And then not only is it different now, it was different two days ago and then by yep. Monday, it's going to change again drastically as well. So it's how does a brand possibly keep up to date with that place orders when who knows what it looks like in a week? Yes, exactly. And then you, that is only magnified when you see these brands that are stepping in um, to produce PPE and emergency supplies too, right? So at that point, um, which is also just such a profound, like you can't help but cry when you see the news that these companies are stepping in on their own dime to support the people on the front lines and healthcare workers. And so it's, it's pretty powerful to see um, these brands step forward in that way. But of course, that's going to affect their e-commerce side of their business as well. And it's not to say that um, by any means is the e-commerce performance important in that 
in that situation, like in that scenario when you're making that decision as a brand, but it is something to consider because not all distribution or manufacturing centers are going to be put towards producing that equipment. So you just kind of have to do, um, so again, some rapid communication across your supply chain to ensure like, okay, this manufacturing center is going to be dedicated to producing masks. This one's going to be hand sanitizer, um, scrubs, PPE, whatever that looks like. But these over here that produce our shoes or our purses or scarves or whatever that looks like from the retail side of things isn't going to be affected. So technically we could keep pushing that on media if we choose to. Yeah. And that's what I don't think people on social necessarily understand when they see these companies changing supply lines. It's like, well, why doesn't everybody do that? You can't just completely (laughs) change what a factory produces, then the supply line and make sure it gets to the right people. It's absurdly complicated in those processes and then it's a cost benefit analysis you have to make and you have to figure out hey can we do this can we do this while we keep all our employees safe is that something we have to be concerned about i mean just even running one business and making sure that all your employees are safe and nobody's coming in contact with the virus that's a whole challenge in and of itself much less completely changing a supply line in the midst of a pandemic yeah but yeah, I completely agree. On that note, kind of shifting back to gaming, um, when it when it's relating to advertising, right? So that's, again, like you're saying is, so on social media, people don't really understand these specifics um, of what it takes for the supply chain. What we see, though, when it comes to gamers is they're obviously very digitally savvy consumers. And so uh, what we found is like, they don't necessarily kind of pivoting this back to our original conversation here for gaming, but it's like, they don't necessarily, at least in my experience, mind advertising as long as it doesn't harm the experience, Um, especially with how community driven the industry is as a whole, where people just want to see esports and gaming kind of break out of those walls and to hit kind of pop culture um, recognition and such. And so if advertising is the way in which that gets there, then everyone's been really supportive of it. And so that's a really cool part of when you're thinking about marketing to gamers, how these people are they're business savvy, right? They're they're very socially conscious. They're digitally driven people, and so a lot of these nuances that can come up, um, like when I'm talking to my parents and trying to explain like Instagram ads or TikTok or something like that, um, a lot of those those kind of sticky moments uh, as it relates to a consumer and, and just digital media as a whole never really comes across um, or isn't really a focus when it comes to marketing to gamers, at least in in my experience. Yeah, it's still an undertapped area, but you actually did the pivot I was about to make as well. (laughs) Get back to gaming. It's always COVID-19. It's dominating every single thing we could talk about. Uh, To your point about gamers and enjoying advertising, you're totally correct. And it's really weird from a marketing perspective. I was talking to Paul Brewer in an old episode of this. He's the head of brand partnerships for ESL North America. Mm -hmm. And he talked about this experience where at one of the events, the fans were chanting DHL. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Absurd. Nobody, you could not pay a group of sports fans to go chant (laughs) a brand name. And because this brand had joined these esports fans where they were, and had been an authentic partner in whatever way that took shape, they were literally chanting the name of a company. That's like the dream of every single marketer ever to get that kind of natural fan engagement. And then it goes over into Twitch chat, of course, and DHL is just stoked about it. So there definitely are quite a few case studies in the past of like 
I think Nike and MasterCard both very well uh, accepted into League of Legends over the last year and both were like okay let's do this same with Louis Vuitton people love Louis Vuitton skins in in League of Legends so the opportunities for brands in the gaming world are massive and I think we reach a point eventually where it becomes too saturated but these this right now is like the golden area of marketing to gamers because they haven't been inundated with it yet and they just love seeing the brands come and sort of give a stamp of validation to to the place they spend their time and see the value in it. Yes, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think another thing that's that's interesting on that note, um, oh gosh, there's like, there's so many things running through my head about it, but it's just when it comes to, to esports advertisement, it's like you can also see these through lines of like technology and gaming um, as well, which I think is really interesting because you're right, like, gaming just wants to the industry itself just wants to see um just wants to see it succeed and so it's almost becoming like socially acceptable to be into gaming now whereas like i think the south park episode way back when really did a number on gamers where it's like i promise we're not all living in our basement um you know like i'm a a great example of that i'm in my 20s i'm a female um and still really interested in gaming whereas most people think that it's just a very male driven uh, male driven industry yeah, the demographics are definitely changing a little bit. And I think with the generation, I always make this uh, example when I talk to people who are a bit older. We're both 25, I assume. We graduated college the same mm-hmm. time, so 24, 25. And we grew up with an age of gaming that wasn't very advanced. Like PlayStation 2, GameCubes, smartphones didn't really become a main thing until our high school years. And the current age of people, gaming is pervasive. It's everywhere. It's guys, it's girls, it's jocks, it's geeks, it's goth. It's every single... Mm-hmm. Is that still a thing? <laughs> I don't even know if those clicks are still... <laughs> but everybody in schools is playing games. It's just a matter of what games are you playing. And so when yes. that generation really grows up and takes over as the, the dominant generation, Gen Z it's going to be crucial for marketers to understand how to reach gamers and how to reach the gamers that they want to reach that makes sense for their brands. And it's best to just start now and get a foothold on it because when they, like six years from now, when those kids are all out of school, everyone is going to be online and online platforms constantly and they're going to have a lot of spending money. So your brand's going to need to be in those areas. Yeah, for sure. And we, um, and so one of the the content focuses at PMG right now is esports and gaming. Um, and so we, I had a coworker of mine, his name Grant Weber. He released a paper earlier this year, and it talks about this very phenomenon you're speaking to in which we call it gaming culture. Um, and we, in it, we speak to how brands might tap into this world. So, because everybody tosses around like, oh, gaming's a billion dollar opportunity for brands, but they don't ever talk about how specifically it's done and what considerations need to be made. Um, and Grant does a really good job in that piece. And kind of one of the, one of the things he talks about is like, which we've already discussed, but the first is like, don't presume that gamer stereotype um, and understand that like there are different subsets of that audience. Um, and then kind of the next thing is just to remember that like your audience above all is human too. A lot of times I think marketers forget that customers are people. And so like those audience sets in Facebook represent real life 
living and breathing people that have interests beyond just gaming. Uh, and that's something I think that marketers can lean into as they're trying to explore kind of the esports advertising realm. Um, so gamers have pets, you know, they go shopping too, they watch TV. So your advertising doesn't just have to be on gaming platforms, uh, but it can incorporate other elements as well, like, oh gosh, like digital out of film experiences, co-ops, non-endemic partnerships. And I think that's why the Louis Vuitton, Louis Vuitton and League of Legends partnership last year was so successful is because it recognized that like, okay, that's cool. People like gaming and we can very easily integrate into um, the League of Legends world. But beyond that, we also need to consider like this capsule collection, which sold out, I think it was like under an hour or something like that. And that like gamers still have to wear clothes too. Uh, mm-hmm. I think probably my favorite esports team is 100 Thieves, just because I think that the perspective that they bring to the table is so wise and that they incorporate marketing and apparel and fashion and really pop culture into everything that esports brand does. Uh, because I think that that's really important. And that's, that's how gaming and esports has been able to barrel into our pop culture and just like um like it's always front and center everywhere we go right so you see a lot of crossover with talent on these platforms too you've got professional sports players um you've got a new york times columnist right now that's running some twitch um like cooking in her cooking in her house and different things like that so it's like this intersectionality of the talent of the talent the technology the gaming the sports uh, which is which is pretty incredible, and you're starting to see that in movies too, right? Like you've got the Sonic movie, you had Witcher, which was a Netflix TV series. You have the Ryan Reynolds movie coming out later this year, where he's an actual like NPC, uh, which is which is pretty funny. I think it's called Free Guy, and they even have Apple TV um, that had that Ooh, show wait, Raven's sorry, Quest. To, what's the Ryan Reynolds movie? I have not heard oh about gosh. this. <laughs> yes, so I found out about it because I watch Ninja, of course, because I'm uh, a yeah, but I love him. I think he's pretty fascinating. And so he mentioned that he was in this movie. It's a very small part that he's playing, but apparently Ryan Reynolds is going to be in this movie. And it's called Free Guy. And he is an NPC in a video game. And the movie is about how he tries to get out of this role that he's been stuck in for his entirety. I think it comes out in July. Oh, I'm so in. I'm yeah. so, I just looked it up. I don't know how I hadn't seen this. I am so into this movie. I'm going to... Yeah, they've, they've the kept it pretty quiet, which is weird. But I, I mean, I think it's it's hilarious, right? Because it's it's such a relatable piece of content, um, kind of very similar to what I was saying, like the Apple TV show, like, uh, what's it called? Um, Raven's Quest, I think it is. And so it focuses on like these people working at a gaming company. So it really taps into the humor of gamers and just speaks to that human side of things, which I think is always worth uh, considering when you're, especially when you're advertising and, and marketing and trying to get a campaign off the ground is it's just remembering that the people that you're talking to are humans. And so you need to speak to them like they are. Absolutely. It's an important uh, message for all marketers. You mentioned Ninja and it actually gets to something that I've been thinking about recently and it's the mainstreaming of gaming and of gaming celebrities. I think Ninja is really the only gamer that's crossed into household name territory in terms of, you know, he's on Ellen, he's on Fallon. What he does drives a lot of traffic regardless. And I think the moment when he crossed from gaming celebrity to mainstream celebrity was that stream with Drake back in, what was that, March of 2018, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Broke a record on Twitch. It was the height of Fortnite. Massive stream. And that sort of catapulted him into the stratosphere. So I'm curious if you think we're going to see more gaming celebrities come out of COVID-19 as all these athletes and musicians, 
you mentioned New York Times writers are all going on to Twitch. Or we're gonna we're gonna see a lot more crossover between athletes playing with gamers. Do you think we end up seeing more mainstream gaming celebrities and this is all said and done? Oh, absolutely. I definitely think so. One that I'm particularly excited about is Ewok. So she's, I think she's 13 or 14 years old um, and she's actually deaf, which is fascinating how she's able to, they were kind of able to input these in-game signals um, for people with disabilities to play Fortnite as well. And so she's the first female gamer to ever join FaZe Clan. Um, she's just, seems like just the sweetest, most incredible person. And so I think that that's going to be a rising star that we're seeing. She's really young, fresh talent, has a lot of personality and a lot um, a lot to provide to the world, especially this unique perspective that she's bringing to the table um, with a disability, something like, like, um, like a, a hearing issue or anything like that, which is a really cool thing. Um, and so, yes, I absolutely think you're going to see some more celebrity talent almost coming out of gaming. Um, I'm trying to think of, of somebody that beyond Ninja that has, but I think that he's been, I think that he was the one that kind of eclipsed um, and kind of rose to that stardom first, but I, I definitely think we're going to see more. Ewok is so good at social media too. Yes. <laughs> so good. I was there was one tweet from somebody in Phase Clan, and Phase Clan just has this massive social presence so that definitely helps her. Uh, but he tweeted something like, "If you don't listen to music, I don't trust you." And her response was just like, "I." Uh, and it had like it had like almost a hundred thousand likes or something like that because she's deaf, obviously. And uh, it was it was just such a great indication of like, okay, she's fourteen, but she really understands social. And she's a great Fortnite player, and she's got all these unique things about her. Forbes named her a 30 under 30. And I, I'm looking at her, her Twitter profile right now. She's got simps <laughs> in her bio. I'm like, ew. <laughs> um, for people who don't I know what it. simps <laughs> are, it's guys that are thirsting after girls, I guess, online is the general. I don't know how to explain that, but very Gen Z thing. And it's uh she just really gets how to do the social thing. And so, yes, I agree. I think she's well on her way to becoming a huge celebrity and a huge uh, face of gaming and really the accessibility aspect of gaming, which is not talked about. And I think I'm glad to have a representative of that further up and, and forward in the, in the gaming world. Yeah, completely agree. I appreciate that you mentioned this Gen Z aspect. I was thinking about this a couple of days ago with like the rise of TikTok um, and how Gen Z humor, I was speaking to a coworker of mine about it, uh, who's, he's like, like maybe 10 years older than I am. And our, hu our sense of humor is very different about things, but we still get along really well. And so I was speaking to kind of like, I think that the sense of humor is generational. I, I'm right on that tip of like being millennial or Gen Z, but my sense of humor definitely follows to the Gen Z side of things. And I think you're right that like the Gen Z sense of humor and the fact that they just get social is based on the fact that they grew up really when the internet was in its prime uh, and that it was more accessible to people and more readily available, especially with like mobile phones and stuff like that. Um, so I, I appreciate that you said that because that's that's so true. Just the I think that that's going to be critical to the excess of talent um, as they grow older. A lot of gamers right now and a lot of esports pro players are younger. And so I think that just understanding social and being having a business sense when it comes to those um, those interactions with fans is going to be really crucial as well. Absolutely. Do you identify as Gen Z or millennial? I always feel like I've got one foot in both camps and I'm not part of either generation fully. <laughs> um, you know, now that you say that, I 
definitely feel the same, though I skew Gen Z. I think I do For too. sure. Yeah, like, yeah. I also get really frustrated when the media speaks to like, oh, like something, uh, what was it? Like the headlines about people at in Florida, like partying over the weekend. Like, oh, the millennials are partying in Florida. It's like, no, the millennials are like 30 years old with kids and like they're staying at home. And so um, I don't think that people realize that Gen Z is as old as they are. They're like, uh, I think well, I'm 25. So we're right at the, I think I'm like, would be the considered the oldest um, out of the Gen Z kind of population. Yeah, we're the 95 yeah. is, the, is the birth year. So we're like literally right at the, the line. We're, we're too young to have kids and we're, <laughs> yep. we're too old to be on like TikTok and doing like Renegade. So <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Um, but it's it's an interesting place to be, and I'm actually happy to be at it because it feels like we understand Gen Z and we understand millennials, which is actually good for marketers or journalists to get a wider range of people you understand and identify with. So I guess it maybe works out in the best for us. Yeah, I think you're I think you're totally right there because it's like as a marketer and exactly what you're saying. Like as a marketer, as a journalist, you got to understand your audience, which is so crucial as a marketer, especially when you're setting up campaigns to to enter a space like gaming, where you might not be uh, any brands out there that like might not be familiar with the space. So it's really important to understand the nuances of those those people, the behaviors, what they enjoy, don't enjoy, as well as um, from a digital marketing perspective, what platforms they they enjoy spending time on so like a traditional media plan that incorporates facebook um, maybe instagram or, or any of those types of things you may not see as much success if you're trying to reach specifically marketers for a campaign whereas you know navigating um and kind of incorporating uh reddit or youtube or twitch or anything like that into your media plan is going to pay off in my opinion uh in spades just because that's that's where the audience frequents um now i that might refute what I was saying earlier and that like, you need to understand that gamers are, um, they're people too. So they have pets, they wear clothes and all those things. Um, but if you're specifically targeting gamers, you want to keep in mind that the, the platforms and the language that they use to communicate on those platforms and the way in which they communicate and engage is going to be a little different than, um, people who are not gamers given the internet, um, just kind of the internet culture that those people naturally incorporate into their, into their lives online. Yeah, understanding what they're saying and what they mean and then actually actively engaging with it, especially from a brand perspective, you definitely don't want to end up on our fellow kids. You gotta be <laughs> you have to be really internet savvy. And brands like Wendy's, for example, have used that and been very successful building up a natural social following. But it's a fine line to walk. It can go pretty bad if you do things too far or you're too edgy or you don't understand or your meme is like three weeks too old then suddenly you've you've missed the boat on it and so it's really tough for a brand in the internet age but i do think there's a lot of opportunity for younger people who get that culture and we've seen a lot of ad agencies actually go to younger uh, clients and younger talent because they can hopefully communicate better to the audiences they want to reach which is kind of a unique situation and for a lot of businesses but uh it's it's cool to see yeah very much so so that was everything i wanted to talk to you about abby thank you for coming on in these weird unprecedented times it's been great talking to you do you want to plug anything for pmg what have you been working on lately any work you're proud of i'll link it below 
Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, so definitely check out our gaming culture POV. It was released earlier this year, pre COVID. So there's not going to be any of that craziness there. So just uh, head over to pmg.com forward slash blog and it'll be there. And thanks so much for having me, Mitch. I had a great time chatting with you and stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you. I appreciate that. And when I eventually do come out to Austin, when I can actually fly somewhere again, I'll <laughs> be sure to be sure to send you a note and we can we can meet up. Hopefully they reschedule South by Southwest or something. Yeah, please do. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Abby. This was the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. I've got more episodes coming up for you next week, but I haven't locked any of them down yet. So I'll let you know on social media what else to expect in the rest of the week. Thank you all for listening.